Hey guys, and thank you for tuning in. This is episode 76 of the Plug and Play podcast. I am your host, Zach, and alongside me as always is Tim. Welcome, minions. So, uh, Tim, you ready to plug in? Sure, let's plug it in. Player two, this is player one, plugging in. Player one is initiating connection. Player one is online. Player one, this is player two, plugging in. Player two is initiating connection. Player two is online. All players have successfully connected. You are now plugged into the Plug and Play podcast. Initiating startup sequence. It's been a week, and with that week, we have done a ton of stuff, and obviously Tim's not dead, so your guys' applications are going to be thrown away. Yes. So, Tim, why don't you tell us what you've been up to? Uh, through sheer force of will, I managed to stay alive and then secure my post here at the Plug and Play podcast as co-host. Um, I went um, on an airplane um, to Disneyland, and I landed at the John Wayne Airport, which is a tiny little, cute little airport in Santa Ana, California. It's like a, cow- like a cowboy airport, they're like, beep, beep. There is, a, there is a statue of John Wayne. On a horse? Uh, no. Oh. Um, but it's like bronze or whatever. It's pretty big. It's cool. <laughs> it's a cute little airport. Um, so I went in Friday and just basically got to my hotel, um, had dinner, crashed. Went to bed at like 8.30 because I had to wake up at 4.30 the next morning. Drag my sorry butt out of bed, <laughs> strap on running shoes, and crawl out... Um, I think it was like two miles away. Our hotel wasn't super close. And then to uh, the start line. Did you have to walk all the way there? Or yeah. did you? Oh. So um, when you sign up for a race, you are assigned a corral. Um, that's based on the, your previous race time. Um, so the problem was I haven't been in an organized race in over a year and a half. I think it was the Rock and Roll um, Half Marathon for Portland. So I didn't have a time to register with. That meant I was in Corral E, which is the last corral. The corral was so far back, they did not have speakers for the um, MC that was announcing the start of the oh, race. Oh, no. Yeah. You were like, there's these guys, these guys, and then there's you guys. <laughs> so that also meant that even though when I walked up to Disneyland, the main area, um, I could see the corral I was supposed to be in. They had blockaded it off, and I had to walk around this ginormous block. And we're not talking a city block. We're talking a Disneyland block. (laughs) So it took another 20 minutes for me to walk around this stupid thing and get to my corral. So I was already kind of grumpy starting this race. So that was the 10K, um, which is six miles, um, for those of you not familiar with the metric system. And it went pretty well. Um, I can run 3K pretty much at the drop of a hat, even sick. I'm not too worried about that. So 6K was not a big deal. Um, but that is like an hour of running. Yeah. So my legs were a little stiff. So uh, the rest of the day, I was all to try trying to take care of my legs, soak them, stretch, whatever, so I could be ready for the next day, which is another <laughs> 4.30 a.m. wake up. Corrali. Corrali. But this time, 
this time I was all like Solid Snake, and I snuck in through a little gap behind the porta potties and the, nice. the barricades. I'm like, excuse that, I'm not walking around again. <laughs> um, which meant just more waiting in the corral until. The, yeah, even like, though the race what? starts at five thirty, by the time our corral sh- our corral shuffled up to the start line, it was about six. Holy crap! Yep. So I, you'll notice I didn't talk too much about the 10K because the 10K was. I mean, we got to run through Disneyland, and that was cool. And there were some characters off to the sidelines where you could stop the race and, like, wait in line and get your picture taken with them. But I didn't want to really do that. Um, The half marathon, there was well over double the amount of people, so, like, 20,000 people in the race. And um, the people in the city were more involved. There was people dressed up, like, just community members. Really? Yeah, Stormtroopers, Princess Leah, um, Jawas, you name it. Really? Yeah, a ton of people. I'd say, cool. I'd say at least 50 people in decent, like, cosplay-quality costumes. Hmm. And there was a couple people, too, that had their cars, like, detailed that looked like uh, cockpits of X-Wings and whatnot. And oh, some of them had, like, a, like, blaster damage. Oh, that's so cool. It was pretty sick. It was pretty awesome. Um, so people were out cheering, and there was, like, bands and uh, cheerleaders cheering, too. Um, much higher energy event, so that oh, was yeah. really cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I finished the race... stop and walk a bit because I didn't train for this race like I told you but I did run the whole time except for when I stopped for uh, water or Powerade that was cool I got some awesome medals um, I got a medal for each race and then a third medal for completing the Rebel Challenge which is being stupid and running one race one day, one day and then another race the next day <laughs> um, I got three awesome t-shirts and um, pretty much after that my legs just wanted to kill me so I had to work the next day after the race and like Ooh. I would drop something and just like kind of look at it. You're like, well, that's going to stay there. I actually paid someone $2 to do, like, something that took two minutes that I would have had to bend over for. Really? Yes. At your work? Yes. Nice. What did you pay him to do? It was like a uh, sweep under some tables, but I would, I, would have <laughs> had to, I would have had to bend my legs. I didn't want to do that. Oh, man. So, yeah, um, the race was cool. Um, I love my medals. I love my shirts. Um, you going to do it next year? I don't think so. Like... It, it's just too much of a gap between runs, and it's just not part of my lifestyle anymore. So. Yeah. I'm glad I did it, but I don't think I'll be drawn in again. Okay. There, there's um, there's another Star Wars run. There's a run in uh, um, the other park, the um, Disney World. Uh, it's like the Dark Side run. Yeah. You get yet another bonus medal if you do that and the one that I just did. And you didn't do it? It's in April, and oh, I, think, okay. I think it's probably already full. These Star Wars runs fill up in like half an hour when they go online. Really? It's kind of like PAX registration. Okay. So, yeah, it's my weekend. It was exciting. Sweet. 
Um, so I've still continued working overtime and um, then doing game night. So we started up a game night. Yep. This uh, Saturday with my wife, her best friend that she works or used to work with and her family. Um, so we had everybody over for game night. We played some cards. We played uh, this like fart game. It's pretty funny. It's like a little turd piece of gas that looks like a little fart gas. I think my kids would love this. And you press it, and it makes like a bubbling sound. And then each, you have a card. So mm-hmm. it says like five. You have to press it five times. You hear the bubble building up, building up, building up. And it'll randomly let out a fart. Randomly. And whenever it farts, if you're the one who touches it, you're out of the game. So it's kind of like exploding kittens. I never played that. Well, you draw cards, and if there's a exploding kitten, you die. Yeah. But this is with farts. Exactly. My kids would so love this, this game. This game is awesome. So I'll find out the name of it, and we'll have to get it. That sounds pretty cool. It's a lot of fun. So we did that, and uh, yeah, that's basically been my week. Well. So. That's some farts. Yeah. Um, did you get to play some video games? I did. I played, uh, I completely played through Tiny Build's newest title called Punch Club. Um, so I started that out, and over a two-week span, over the weekends, two weekends, I beat it. Um, it was pretty fun, I guess, to an extent. It yeah, wasn't... You showed it to me. I liked the art style. Yeah, too. the art style was really cool. Um, it was fun. Cool little uh, boxing game. Um, Storyline isn't all there. It's not... You know, it's a tiny build game. It's pretty linear storyline. Looked like a simulation almost. Like, yeah, it's like a boxing sim. It's kind of like... Think of like Rocky, almost. Like the training and everything. Yeah, like training. Um, and then I played some more Witcher 3. And then I also attended Magic Night again last Friday night, so we did that. So, what's your three? Are you, are you chasing the griffin yet? No, I haven't. Okay. Where the hell is that part? Like, is that the griffin that like, you see? Like, are you supposed to just go back and battle it? Or, like, is there a quest that actually sends you to do it? Yeah, you don't just go out and fight it. You have to, like, research it and gather some stuff. And you'll, huh. you'll know. Okay. No, I haven't got That's that like part yet. That's, like, your first kind of big battle. Like, I, I'm inside of a castle right now thing. Okay. Like, a fort barracks thing. I, like, kind of rode around and, like, watched some guys, like die and like hang themselves and now I'm like seeing like hanging bodies from trees so it's pretty much Saturday night in medieval land yeah exactly so that's pretty cool I did that um but yeah what have you been playing this week or did you get to play anything very little I got to play um on the plane there and back and then I've been doing like home projects like putting away Christmas tree stuff that was too boring to even talk about although I just did um I got to play on the way there, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3DS, which is the, the biggest like, role-playing game ever imaginable on a portable console. Okay. Hopefully I'll, I'll beat that someday, because I want to play the sequel <laughs> on the Wii U. <laughs> it's not a direct sequel, but it's the same. Anyway. Isn't it the same as that game? No. Um, it's a different setup. Uh, one is set where you are... The whole civilization is living on the remains of a giant robot that mm-hmm. lost a battle. That's the, the portable one. Um, and then the Wii U game is about a um, basically an arc, like uh, whatever world is being destroyed, and they send out spaceships, you know, to save some portion of humanity. Mm-hmm. And then the ship gets damaged, and they crash land on a planet, and that crashed ship is where the civilization lives. Okay. Um but I haven't started that one yet. I'm not letting myself start that one yet. But you do have it. I do have it. Yeah, the, the collector's gold, edition. I have collector's right? edition. I've kind of flipped through the art books. And, oh, I want to play this. But I've got Metal Gear Solid. Well, i got Fallout 4, Metal Gear Solid Witcher 5, 3. and Witcher 3. Maybe, probably. And Dragon Age Inquisition. I've given up on Dragon Age Inquisition. God damn it. 
I oh, I've got the Itch to play Dragon Age again for some freaking reason. So Inquisition or the ones you played before? Um, well, I've beat them all, so I don't know. I was hoping Witcher Three would would scratch that itch for you. Not yet. All right, so I played that um, Xenoblade on the way down. The way back, I played a game called Her Story that was on my Surface. Oh yeah. So Her Story is a pretty cool. Um, what am I trying to say? The setup or whatever for a game. Um, it boots up and it's got like the loading sounds of like an old PC. Mm-hmm. Just the hum and the clicks and the and then like you get like an old CRT looking monitor um, pop up with a like a Windows I don't know. Windows 95 or Windows 98? Yeah, 98 probably looking okay. setup. And um, you're basically in an archive and you're looking at an archive screen and you're looking through um, the seven interviews um, of footage of this murder investigation and you use search terms and it'll pull up all the videos where that word is in. So like murder would be one, obviously. Or... Mm. Um, or like John or yeah, like somebody's the, name. I think the guy's name who's, who's dead was Simon, if I remember right. So, okay. so Simon would be a big one. And um, you'll watch a clip of this woman, usually about 30 seconds long. Some are shorter, some are longer. And you can kind of tell which session it is. There's a time code on the bottom, but also she should be wearing a different dress. And I really can't talk more about the game without giving away spoilers because... Have you came to your conclusion of what happened? Not quite. Okay. I have a pretty good idea, but I've, I'm missing a couple pieces. There's have a, you Googled on, like... Because I've heard there's, like, some, like... There's, like, a specific search word that if you type that in, it pulls every single video in chronological order. Oh, jeez. I don't know if I want to do that. It'll kind of break the game and the experience. And I guess it's, like... Well, like, I guess it's, like, a keyword to, like, where, like, because a lot ca- of people have, like, typed it in just randomly searching through stuff, and they're like, what the hell is this? And, like, it's every single video in chronological order. Because it's kind of cool to hear her talk about something and bring up the cat door. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I want to hear more about the cat door. And then you're watching a video about the cat door, and you'll hear another, like... Weird phrase that just sticks out. Yeah, you'll start filing away, like, I want to hear more about Doug. I want to hear more about the bar. Okay. And so it's just more natural. I mean, yes, you could put that... That's That would break the game, though, and, and that would detract from the experience. Yeah. If you wanted to get through it really fast, sure. But that'd be more like watching a movie than playing a game. Yeah, exactly. Half the fun of playing this game is, is kind of Googling... Exploring it. It's like Googling your way through the game. Yeah. Kind of. That's cool. Oh, the actress, um, I should have pulled up her name, but she's really good. She won um, many awards for this She game. should, um, because her performance pretty much carries the game. Yeah. Um, sometimes you're not sure she's telling the truth. Sometimes you absolutely know she's not telling everything. <laughs> um, it's really it's really good. I do recommend it. Um, I haven't played much of it before this, so I'm guessing it's about a two to three hour game. And just so to be clear, you're not asking her to questions. You're watching nope. videos of you're pre-recorded. You're watching pre-recorded videos from an archive, and you're doing you're typing in search um, terms. In this little fake UI that looks okay. like a Windows 95 machine. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. So that's what I played this week. Sweet. Well, last week we asked you guys a question, and that question was, what is your proudest gaming moment? You got some good ones. Yes, we did. Joel said, winning second place in the crew, winning $600 for setting top times. Huh. $600, that's pretty good. That's really good. I'm hoping you didn't have to split that too many ways. Hoping not. And then Q said, uh, the day I finished Golden Sun, The Lost Age on the Game Boy Advance, was his proudest moment of all time because it was such a hard game for me at the time. 
That was a pretty cool game. That was um, a pretty cool game. If I had to think of a most recent proud moment, then that would have to be getting my first and only platinum on Senran Kakura Senjovi Versus. Oh, nice. And, um... I don't have a platinum, so good on you, Q. I do have a platinum. Nice. So, The Walking Dead, baby. Okay. That's... So how many times did you have to play through it? One time. Interesting. If you just beat the game, you get the platinum. Oh, I need to do that then. So yeah, platinum. Exactly. And then I think like you got another platinum if you wanted to did like the four hundred days or something. Well, screw Steam. I'm gonna play it on PS. PS4. You have to pay for it then. No, I have it on PS3. Okay. But Robin also wrote in and said the day I completely beat Sims, busting out with, like, bra that game was long as my July August vacation and then some I didn't know you could actually beat Sims games I thought you just yeah, um, tortured them and made them yeah I'm not really sure what Robin means by beating Sims games like all of his Sims died that would be good like did you literally beat your Sims like <laughs> you're like stuck them in a room and set the room on fire and you beat them up or uh, like just busting out is that like a like a fight club edition or something that would be cool. That would be pretty cool. But I so, guess you're not supposed to talk about it. Yeah, you're not supposed to talk about that. It's kind of like the rule one of, like, Punch Club. So, anyways, guys, that leads us to our tasty treat break. But before we go, Tim... Well, let's say you're on a spaceship escaping a dying planet. You and a select crew have... Of porn stars. Okay, porn stars have managed to secure a position on the Ark. Now, you see... In the distance, an asteroid hurtling towards you. And the thing you think is not, will it hit me? Will we all die in space before we find our new home? The thing that will be on your mind is, before I left the home world, did I like and review Plug and Play Podcast on iTunes? Because I don't want to go to my fiery doom without doing that. exactly. So, don't put yourself in that existential crisis. Make sure before you escape a dying world that you like us and read us on iTunes. And Stitcher. And tune in. And tune in. That is new, guys. We are officially on tune in. So we will be right back after this music break. guys and we are back tasty treats in hand and if you guys haven't caught on by now tim and i are actually recording it once again in the same room um so today i am supplying our tasty treats and it comes from the deschutes brewery in uh do you know where deschutes brewery is out of it's in bend bend oregon Mm -hmm. it this is the chain breaker white ipa it is india pale ale brewed with spices yeah. It's uh, 55 IBUs, so it's pretty mild for an, for an IPA, and it's 5.6 um, ABV. Now, there is something about this, guys, is I just cracked the bottle a few days ago and just drank it, which is not the best way to do this, and I kind of started looking around on the bottle to see if they had something weird on it, and by sure they do. Um, they actually have pouring instructions, so Tim and I are going to walk you through the pouring instructions as we do it ourselves. So, Tim, pouring instructions. Pour two-thirds into a tilted glass. Swirl remainder around the bottle. Finish pour and enjoy beer in all its hazy glory. So we're going to crack our bottles using our cap gun 
Brought to us by Ink Whiskey. I'll let you do yours. I'm gonna go ahead and pour two thirds of my bottle into my tilted glass. It's about like, mm, nope, that's only like half. So it's an um, interesting color. I can see why they call it a white IPA. Yeah, it's very... Two-thirds. It's hard to see through a brown bottle, guys. Yeah, so to shoot, just see no brown bottle, maybe not the best idea. So now we're swirling. Mm, something like that, I don't know. I am swirling, foaming. And we're swirling, and we're swirling. And we're swirling, we're still swirling. I'm thinking like instead of like barrel aging, I think this is swirl aging. (laughs) There's obviously some kind of sediment that they want stirred up. It'd be cool to hear the brewer talk about why we have to do this. I wonder if uh, when it's on tap, how it works out. I don't know. Or if it is, if it's even something they do tap because of this. Yeah, I don't know. How long did you swirl it last time? I'm not really sure. Well, you said it worked out last time, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, how long did you swirl that time? I'm not really sure. You don't remember, huh? I, I'm thinking we're probably fine. Okay. It's definitely foamed up in there. Okay. I've, de- I've definitely never done anything like this before. Yeah, I specifically messaged you and asked if you had ever swirled a beer before. You had said no, so. Yeah, I was confused when you asked that. So that gives it a nice bit of foam on top. It does. It gives it a little bit of foamy head. That's just a weird looking beer. It is. It's, it's a graduated color. It's like a almost dark at the top, mm-hmm. light at the bottom. I'm gonna take a picture before I drink it. Alright. But cheers. Go ahead and have yours. Mmm. Yeah. It definitely doesn't have an IPA taste. So I'll wait for Tim to take the photo and then um, let him give his reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Different, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really IPA. I see what they mean by spices. Yeah. Um, yeah, hits you right in the front. Yeah. It's definitely not my standard IPA. That's oh, very interesting. Yeah. So, anyways, guys, that is our kick for this week. The Shoots Brewery Chain Breaker White IPA. No, no, no. That was our tasty treat. Next is our kit. Oh yeah, I guess. Hey, so. one too many tasty treats apparently. Alright, let's let's kick it. Alright. Alright guys, today I am going to kick us off with Cast Metal Gaming Dice. That is right. Now you guys have been hearing me talk about playing Magic the Gathering, the card game. A big part of that is having dice. Your health has to roll down from 20 or 30 if you're in a team, down to zero. Last person with health wins. Or adding uh, flyers and other creatures out onto the board with dice. One ones or adding health or damage um, to creatures out on the board. So, um, yeah. So this is a relatively inexpensive way to get awesome looking dice and I'm going to go ahead and let the creators talk about it themselves. I am Aaron Besser and this is Tracer Metalworks.
years ago, I set out to create a basic set of custom dice for use at a Friends D&D campaign, and the response I received was truly overwhelming. My love for metal smithing over the last decade, coupled with my career as a process engineer, led me to ask myself whether it were possible to manufacture a new type of metal dice. These new dice would provide greater detail and resemble the quality craftsmanship only found in high-end jewelry manufacturing. With an unbelievable amount of help from my wife and support from various online communities, we gradually altered our lives and our home to accommodate this complex and time-consuming manufacturing process. Tracer Metalworks stands out from other dice manufacturers because we offer a lost wax casting technique, which provides higher resolution and better surface finishes. This makes the dice easier to read while simultaneously allowing complex 3D geometries. My wife and I have adapted this traditional jewelry's technique to produce our very first product line, cast metal gaming dice. We've already invested a large amount of time and personal funding into getting this advanced manufacturing process to work for the production of metal dice. We can now say with much excitement that we are finally ready to take our passion for metalwork from a hobby to the next level, and we look forward to sharing it with the rest of our community. Hi, I'm Aaron. And I'm Golda. We spent the last two years developing a manufacturing process to produce cast metal gaming dice. We've already acquired the equipment needed for small-scale production. Our campaign is set at $10,000, which will enable us to purchase additional shop equipment to handle higher production volumes. We also have some flex goals, which will unlock new metals, and if we reach some of the loftier ones, new models for you to choose from. Check out our Kickstarter below for more details on what we're offering. Our goal is to bring quality, jewelry-level techniques to dice manufacture. And we can't do it without you. Thank you for all your support, time, and contributions to our campaign. So guys, um, like I said, they are Cast Metal Gaming Dice is the name of their Kickstarter. They have 125 backers. They're looking for $10,000 US dollars. They have $8,143 with 21 days to go, so it looks very promising. Um, I like the ones with the beads on the corners. Yeah, the, the ones with the beads, these ones, the Valiant series. Mm -hmm. So for $14, you can get one die from any collection in any unlocked base metal. Hmm. So they have three series. Um, actually, they have four. They even have a Kickstarter uh, specialty one. They have a Triforce D4, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, but they have the Valiant series, which has the bubbles that Tim was talking about. They have the Companion series, which is a pretty sweet-looking one, too. Kind of looks like a Companion Cube from Portal. Yep, exactly. The Amped Guard series, which I'm not really sure. I'll bet it's supposed to look like something. We're just missing the reference. Yeah, I'm not really 100% positive on that one. Kickstarter special, um, which are pretty sweet looking ones. And then they have it in yellow brass prototype. Um, ancient bronze, yellow brass, and engraved series, and aluminum alloy. So those are the styles are going to be coming in. Like I said, for $14, you can get one. Ranging all the way up to 140 US dollars, you can get 10 dice from any collection in any unlocked base metal. So head over to kickstarter.com and check them out. And uh, yeah, they're also right here locally down next to Tim and I in Portland, Oregon. So that's pretty awesome. So cool. what do you got, Tim? I have a Kickstarter called People of Color Destroy Science Fiction by Lightspeed Magazine. That sounds racist. Um, it's actually the opposite. So... Um, Lightspeed is a Hugo-winning magazine um, that uh, publishes, I believe, monthly. It's um, They've done other features before, like Women Destroy Science Fiction, uh, Queries Destroy Science Fiction. 
they pick a uh, group to um, write stories for their for an for an, um, an episode, whatever an issue. Thank you. Um, and they feature that, and so they pick voices that aren't always well represented. So in science fiction, um, there are plenty of stories for the black people always die first. That or the hero is always a white male like me. There's plenty of stories like that. You know that in video games too. Like, but I'm a pretty cool white male hero. I mean, I don't know what you're saying. Well, it's good to hear other voices. It's good for people to identify the the character on screen or in the in the book. Um, and it's just it's cool to highlight that so they do that periodically that's awesome and um, they're only asking for $5,000 um, what? right so they've already met that and um, they're at 16000 right now wow they have pretty low um, buy-ins like $5 gets you uh, the ebook of uh, People of Color Destroy Science Fiction hmm. plus three back issues of Lightspeed which is $17 value um so there's also stretch goals. Um, if they get enough, they'll also do um, a horror genre hmm. and fantasy genre. That's cool. Yeah, and you can go further and get like a hard copy of the book, or you can get an actual subscription to Lights Light Speed. Um, the highest levels are only three hundred dollars, and they're basically video um, chats with um, some of the editors, I believe. Sweet. So yeah, I'm going to read the description really quick. It says. I can scroll up faster than this. People of Color Destroy Science Fiction is saying, we're here, we've always been here, and we're very excited to show it. Mission statement is, um, we believe in science fiction's transformative powers, its ability to remedy the dreariness of our lives. People of Color Destroy Science Fiction will exist with your kind help, of course, to relieve a brokenness we've been able time and time again by favoring certain voices and portrayals of particular characters. We won't harangue you with guilt trips involving the importance of openly listening to assimilated, the colonized misappropriated. That's not how we roll. What we aim to do is instead challenge you. Join us, because it's fun to do so. We don't mean fun as a vehicle for trivializing centuries of injustice that resulted in the lack of representation for certain groups of people because power structures were skewed heavily in favor of a chosen few. We mean fun as the satisfaction we get in those light bulb in the head moments of our lives, the satisfaction we get from meaningful conversations that lend clarity, the satisfaction we get when we move past those feel-good-driven acts of tokenism, satisfaction we get when we read stories that have palpable artistic and intellectual values that speak of our present time and most of all our future. So they're also doing a um, call if people want um, to submit um, for this special um, issue. Um, so I think it's a cooler project and I like that it's um, easy to get into at $5. You can actually get a pretty cool thing coming out in June, I believe. Mm-hmm. And check out People of Color, Destroy Science Fiction on Kickstarter. Sweet. Well, that brings us to our game news. We do have some news. A lot of this is Zelda-related once again. That's weird how that always happens on our show. It's very strange. I don't know what the heck's going on. But, guys, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD remake for the Nintendo Wii U is coming out very soon. And along with that, if you get the uh, collector's edition, you get a Link Wolf Amiibo. There has been rumors about what this Amiibo would be doing, and it has finally came out that... The Link Wolf, the Wolf Link figurine amiibo will unlock new content for the game, but the existing line of Zelda-based amiibos also provide access to extra features too. So, scanning your Wolf Link into Triforce Princess lets players enter an exclusive area 
if Link defeats this dungeon's boss while equipped with the giant wallet item, he'll receive the upgraded bottomless wallet, which boasts a ruby capacity almost ten times greater than the former item. Which is pretty cool, but I never really need to have that many rubies. I guess if you just want to be like collect them all, you can I, collect I, all the rubies. I guess you could do that. Um, as for the other figurines, both Link and Toon Link replenish your arrows when scanned. That's more useful. That's really freaking cool. And Zelda and Sheik will restore your hearts, which is also, again, very helpful. Yeah, forget the wallet. I want those. Now, guys, my favorite one of them all, Ganondorf. Ganondorf just came out as an amiibo, and when scanning the longtime series villain into the game, the amount of damage dealt by enemies to you will be doubled. So if you're looking for a hard, hardcore mode, scanning Ganon, hopefully they'll have, like, a bug, and you can scan it six times, and things will be six times harder now. Just line up all your Ganondorf amiibos. Exactly. Just keep scanning these babies in. So uh, that is what I have news for on the Legend of Zelda amiibo for Skyward, not Skyward, Twilight Princess HD remake. All right, our next story comes to us from Austin, Texas, courtesy of Kotaku. Um, if you've been walking around Austin and paying attention, you might have seen a Zelda's-themed treasure chest hiding just off the beaten path. It's not the only one, thanks to a local street artist who just wants to add a bit of adventure to your daily routine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let him talk about that now for a little bit. just going to make some noise. A lot of excitement. I actually... So these guys are borders right now. What I want to do is add that same kind of element of exploration that I don't think a lot of people got in their childhood. If you've ever woken up and, and you're not feeling good, you're not feeling right, and you're out wandering, um, you see things different because you're just in a different frame of mind. If you stumble across something really cool that's interactive, that's that's different, that can brighten your day, I don't know. I hope that's awesome. So Austin has the, the Barton Creek Greenbelt. There's a trail that runs through here that's about seven and a quarter miles, starts at Zilker Park. And I think the whole thing's around 7,500 acres, but it's just this glorious wooded area in the middle of a city. You can look around and see a spring and you can see the woods. And, and then you can look up and see the skyscrapers out in the city. I don't, I've hidden some things here and when I do, they tend to be just off the path. Nothing that you're going to have to trample through vegetation and wildlife and you're not going to be doing any impact to what's around you, but seven and a half or seven and a quarter miles, plenty of room out here to hide something. And I don't exclusively stay here too. Um, not everybody can get over here, so I do little things out in the city as well. I've made little question boxes out of perler beads, 3D question boxes. I've filled them with uh, coins and things like that and hung that throughout the city. Uh, so I'm wood burning this guy right now. Uh, I got the classic crest on there. It's wonky, sure, shut up. So we got the classic crest. Uh, along the sides, we're doing the, the medallions from the uh, temples that are from Ocarina of Time there. And then I'm gonna go ahead and paint in a nice light beige to really bring those that burnt out. And then I'm gonna do some designs in blue. I'm not sure what those are gonna look like yet. And there's plenty of real estate still on the back and on the sides. I think I'm going to actually try and find a cool scene that can be burnt onto the sides. 
and with the really nice contrast of that black. I have no idea what that's gonna be yet, but this is gonna be the next box. I hope it looks cool. It's a larger one than the ones I've done in the past. A lot of people have asked to be given a hint when this one goes out. So I wanted to get more stuff into it and make it look pretty cool. I'm not obsessed with Zelda, so if you were to look around my house, you're gonna see Zelda stuff, especially if you prime your mind for Zelda. But if you also look around your house for just art, and my phone is loud as shit. There's a little bit of everything over here, Calvin and Hobbes, because why not? I want to learn to draw, and so I think he spent a lot of time doing some emulation. The Wind Waker just made sense because while learning how colors work, how shading and colors, that, that art style to that is so distinct, so crisp, and there's only four shades of every color that it was easy to learn to mix colors and to see if you were doing things right and learn through emulation as you move forward. So you ended up with a lot of Zelda art. And then, because that does seem weird, I started giving away Zelda art. Like, please take this from me, because this is kind of ridiculous. And then started hiding Zelda art. And now I look insane, because then it's Reddit, and like, that's all you do, you do Zelda art. But there's other stuff, I swear to God. So, his name is Easy. It's E-Z. Um, he lives in Austin. He took up drawing and painting as a hobby. Um, he used the simple palette of Wind Waker as a starting point, kind of made his own art style with that. He ended up with a pile of Zelda-themed art around his house, which he decided to started in, decided to start turning into street art. And um, he started hiding these treasure chests all over. So I think it's really cool that he's um, not only creating stuff like this, but um, letting people find it. Um, that would be super exciting to run across a Zelda chest in the wild. Dude, yeah. I would die. I'd be like, I'm never leaving Austin. I'm going to hunt these rest of my life. So all I'm saying is I've been to a couple video game local conventions, and I know there's crafty people in Portland. I know there's crafty people in Portland that like Zelda. Mm -hmm. I think this needs to happen in Portland, Oregon, is what it I'm does. saying. It does. It does. I think, I, think sure. I need to be walking in Forest Park and stumble across a Zelda chest. The worst part is I need to know this is happening in Portland so I can start exploring Portland. That would be good for you. Yeah. And then our last story would be Microsoft is announcing that uh, its new CPUs will be compatible only with Windows 10. So I know this is going to make some people upset, but I don't know. I think if you're moving forward with new tech, it should work with the newest operating system. I don't really have a problem with it. I Yeah, I don't really think there's an issue would, with it. Why would you want a new processor to run on? Especially if it's going to constrain it in some way. Mm -hmm. So if they can find a new horizon in Windows 10 capabilities, I feel 100% confident with Microsoft taking that next step. Doesn't mean that everybody in the planet has to upgrade to the new CPU. No. There's still be plenty of other CPUs. Exactly. So I'm extremely excited to uh, see what they have to offer, what this means for PCs um, coming in the near future, and just in general what it means for PC gaming. Yes. So, Well, we got some game releases. Oh, do we? We do. Okay, let's do this. Um, one of them is not even on our list. Um, I believe it's a physical copy of Life is Strange is now out on Xbox One. Oh, that's one. right, the collector's edition. Collector's edition and normal boxed um, physical yep. edition, because now all the episodes are out. Mm -hmm. So now, if you're one of those people that doesn't like to wait for episodes, you can get it all on one big shiny disc or Steam code. Um, and there is a special... Shiny Steam code? Sure, shiny, yeah. Okay. I mean, if you 
bend your monitor just right and it reflects the light off of it. Yeah, I mean, before it cracks, it'll definitely look shiny. Okay, yeah. Um, and there is a special edition, as Zach said, that comes with an art book and a CD from tracks of the game. Mm. And I believe a director's commentary as well, if I remember. I believe so. Um, then we also have a game called uh, Deadly Tower of Monsters, and that is actually re- reviewed by Jessica on the buttonsmashers.com. You can check that out. Um, this game is... The conceit of the game is pretty funny. It's developed by Atlas, and it's um, a movie director of like a 50s-style sci-fi movie um, going back to record a DVD commentary track about the movie he made, and it's like cheesy, like, you know, laser guns and rocket ships, um, monsters like King Kong, that sort of thing, Huh? if you know that period. And so that's what the game is, but it's like him talking over it. So I'm going to let him... uh, Here's a a short trailer kind of gets you an idea of it. Dan Smith here, director. I'll be doing some audio commentary for this re-release of the movie. Up pops our hero, the fearless Dick Starspeed, played, of course, by actor Jonathan Digby. Greetings, citizens of Gravoria. I am Dick Starspeed, and I come in peace. Went on to some minor roles after this. Such a shame. I thought from day one, this guy's got leading man written all over his face. Oh, there's Stacy's grand entrance. I am the magnificent Scarlet Nova. Oh, this scene. This is practically Shakespeare in outer space. Take that! Pew, 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 pew! Now, what's a space adventure film without a trusty robot sidekick, huh? Am I right? Fun fact! Hey, we actually had an actor inside the robot suit moving him around. I bet you thought it was an actual robot, huh? That's how good he was. It was a shame we couldn't afford to pay him. Hey, Patrick, I was thinking we should take a little break and get a bite to eat. You like Chinese? And next from Capcom, we have a, another HD remake, um, Resident Evil Zero. Um, that will excite some people. Obviously, Zach is one of them. Right. So this game, the next one, uh, moving right along, <laughs> is one I had not heard of at all, but my brother texts me out of the blue, said he played it all night, and almost called in sick to play it through it again. The hell? So I guess it's a fairly short game. Um, it's been described as an 80s horror game mixed with Telltale. Um, it's a group of high school kids on an island, and there's like something weird going on, like a supernatural or haunting. I'm not entirely sure, um, but I'm going to ro- roll the trailer. It tells you a little bit more. So you all moved in? Uh, no, not really. And it's Jonas? Not Jonah? Yeah. Jonas. Everyone, this is Jonas, Alex's new stepbrother from... I already forgot where. Yeah, he's cool, so be nice. Oh, we won't bite. What's so, um, special about this place? The whole reason Alex brought her radio is because you can sometimes pick up frequencies to stations that don't exist. See, this island's pretty cool, right? You used to come here a lot as a kid, right? To the island. I mean, I mean that's what Ren made it sound like. Yeah, but I mean... You used to come here a lot as a kid, right? You used to come here a lot as a kid. Something is... 
Something's wrong. So yeah, that looks really cool. Um, Pretty sure I'm gonna have to buy this. Um, yeah, well, after seeing that trailer, I'm mm -hmm. sure you'll definitely be interested. Um, there's lots of dialogue choices, but it's done differently than Telltale, and so you can play through the game. Probably have slightly different outcomes each time, and it's a lot about conversation and they're exploring the island. It looks, just looks really cool. So check out the trailer yourself, or there's a couple other trailers, or heck, go on Steam and. If you are, if you happen to have an Xbox One, I guess you can get it there too. Um, the last title is Assassin's Creed Syndicate, or sorry, Assassin's Creed Chronicles. Um, he comes from us from India. From India, yes, home oh. of the call center. Um, now this is a. Thank you very much for calling. This is the second game in a series um, that is possibly not as well known as the normal Assassin's Creed series. It's a side scrolling, and I played the first one, uh, which was China. And um, it was actually pretty good. Um, it uses some of the same things, like, you know, hiding in the shadows, jumping down, stabbing fools. But it's, it's presented in a totally different way. The art style is kind of nice. Um, I'm going to go ahead and roll a trailer that um, kind of covers all three games, which is China, India, and Russia. So that's what came out this week, and we do have a question. Oh, do we? What is... Oh, wow, we did. We had a gentleman by the name of Q write in. I wonder who the fuck that guy is. He says, guys, I have a question I want answered on the podcast. Tim, what the fuck do you have against Kingdom Hearts, buddy? All right, so... I'm going to let you answer this, Tim, because he, he specifically says, What the fuck, Tim? What do you have against Kingdom Hearts, buddy? So I'm going to let you deal with this. So, 
I actually enjoyed the first Kingdom Hearts. Um, it was a nice mix-up of Disney and some um, Square Enix characters, mostly Final Fantasy characters. I think all... Anyway, Final Fantasy characters, and it had a really cool battle system, really cool art style, very colorful. Um, it did get a little long-winded in parts, like the some of the cutscenes made me sleepy. But after the first one, it just... I don't know, it just kept losing its way more and more. The plots become more and more convoluted. There's Heartless, there's nobody's. there's nobody Heartless, there's all these different conspiracies and institutes and organizations. And I liked it better when it was just simple Square Enix characters and Disney, and you're running around with a keyblade and smashing crap. Um, I'm just going to read you the titles in the series. And keep in mind, there's only two actual Kingdom Hearts games. The rest are like spin-offs or side stories. Or some of these are mobile games Like actually only came out um, on like uh, Verizon or something. <laughs> some of these are um, HD remixes of older games. Or let's say it came out on DS. They made a version for PlayStation. So you got Kingdom Hearts. You got Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. Kingdom Hearts 2. Kingdom Hearts 2 Re-Chain of Memories. Kingdom Hearts Coded. Kingdom Hearts 358 and a half days, which is the stupidest title, but there's other stupid titles. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. What, so, what does that even mean? Is that like uh, like the Virgin Mary story all over again? I was sleeping and I gave birth. Kingdom Hearts Recoded. Kingdom Hearts Dream... Re-colon-coded, thank you. Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, which Dream. is... A, that's, a, that's officially... Fuck? That's officially the game where I started hating Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> it's on the 3DS, and it's sort of a play on words. Dream Drop Distance? That's 3Ds. Oh, my God. That's 3DS. DDD. So that game just went so far up its own ass. I was trying to follow the story. The story made no fucking sense at this point. I didn't care about all the new characters. I, I liked it when they were going to Disney Worlds, and I liked when the story was simple, but... The story is so convoluted and up its own ass. I just can't be bothered to care anymore. Going from there, we got HD 1.5 Remix, um, X HD 2.5 Remix Unchained, HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. Okay, Final Chapter... <laughs> final Chapter Prologue. <laughs> what the fuck is that? A prologue is something that goes before. <laughs> final Chapter is the end. So this is before the final chapter. So you got, you have okay. final just, chapter follow up. Just the Don't game. Worry about it. The game drowns itself. It, FCF final chapter follow. up I baby. almost put a video in here um, to illustrate what I mean, but they will talk about nothing for like hours. Like he's got the pure heart and blah blah blah. It just puts you to sleep. Um, it's just lost its way. It, it needs to be more immediate. It needs to have a story of consequence. The stories on this are just garbage. They're just hot garbage. I like games with story that go from point A to point B, have an arc. These games do not have an arc. They just wander around. The only thing that the story ever does is provide a reason to, to visit the different Disneylands, which, you know, cool, but I'm just done. I, I'll check out Kingdom Hearts 3, and what I mean by check out is read the reviews. If Kingdom Hearts 3 turns out to be good, I'll go back to it, but like I said... After Dreamed Up Distance, I was done. Now, I was going to go on and on and really just keep going, but Honest Trailers really kind of stole my thunder, and I'm just going to let them, uh, let Honest Trailers tell you what they thought about the whole Kingdom Hearts thing. 
ready. The following trailer is rated H for honest. From the Japanese company, who's dominated the culture by rehashing the same predictable formula for decades, and its American equivalent, comes a mashup of franchises that goes together like soy sauce and ketchup. Not as bad as you'd think. Kingdom Hearts. Journey across the Disney universe to track down Kingdom Hearts and defeat the evil Ansem, who is not the real Ansem, but Zahanort's Heartless, who is also named Ansem. The real Ansem is named Diz, but his apprentice Zahanort stole his identity after Master Zahanort forced his heart into the body of Terra. Who's Terra, you ask? Terra, along with Aqua and Ven, were originally tasked by Master Urquus to defeat Master Zahanort. The real Ansem was actually a good guy. Once you beat Ansem, who is Zahanort? Zehanort's heartless, you have to fight Zemnus. Zehanort's nobody. Nobodies are being created when someone becomes a heartless. They don't have feelings, except when they actually do. They want hearts, so Zehanort, who is actually Terra Zehanort, went back in time to find several copies of Zehanort. Uh, also, Donald Duck is in it. Your journey begins with Sora, a 10-year-old boy with enough zippers and belts to start his own bondage convention. Follow along on his quest to master the Keyblade, a weapon that looks stupid and impractical even by Final Fantasy standards. With only six living masters in the world, Sora's got some big shoes to fill, in addition to his actual gigantic shoes. Along for the ride are two of the most famous cartoon characters of all time. But don't worry if you forget everyone's name, because they remind you every five seconds. Sora, Donald, and Goofy. Sora? Donald? I'm Goofy! Sora? Donald? Goofy. I'm Sora. He's Donald, and that's Goofy. Sora! Goofy! Donald! Ugh, I know already! Fight side by side with Dolan and Gooby while visiting some of Disney's most beloved characters, and also Quasimodo. As you cross paths with the hot topic versions of your favorite Final Fantasy heroes, and also Vivi. In these fun, fast paced action RPGs with great mechanics that are buried under nearly 14 hours of cutscenes, we counted. Blast off into a game series with more padding than Kyrie's training bra. From KH1's terrible space shooting segments to KH2's never ending tutorial to reusing the exact same worlds over and over and over and over and over again. Wait, doesn't Disney own Pixar? Where's Nemo World? Monsters Inc? Anything new? Come on! So while you wait patiently for Kingdom Hearts 3 to never come out, buy a minimum of four different consoles so you can play all of the HD remixes, glorified cell phone games, and portable spin-offs that sound like they've been named by a random word generator. Because the only things more powerful than darkness, light, and the Keyblade are greed, laziness, and corporate synergy. Starring generic anime guys, Hatsune Riku. So Zach, we'll play some Kingdom Hearts. No. I think I'm So anyway, Q. fuck I just saw. Thank you, Q, for the question. I hope that answers why. I'm not really sure where that question came from, though. Did we speak of Kingdom Hearts on another episode? I must have mentioned my disdain for Kingdom Hearts at one point. And here's the thing. I only have disdain for games that I liked at one point. Yeah. Like, if it's a game that I'm not interested in, I'm not going to really talk trash about it. I realize that there's games that are not made for me, and that's fine. But when there's a game that I was invested in at whatever level, it's kind of like when Zack plays a, a Zelda game that sucks. Yep. It hurts. It sucks. You can do better than this, Square Enix. And Disney. <laughs> and Disney. So, uh. that brings us to this week's question, I think. So, how can we spin what we just talked about into a question? 
I think the question this week is, what was the biggest game that let you down? Like like series? Yeah, what what series let you down the most? So I, I guess I could cop out and say Kingdom Hearts, but um, I'm going to think about it. Does one come to your mind? Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem did fall pretty far. <laughs> it went pretty high. It fell, like, instantly. Hmm. I'm still thinking, but I guess I'm going to cheat and say Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> so, guys, that is this week's question. What gaming series let you down the most? So, guys, until next time on episode 77... Don't forget to check us out at facebook.com forward slash plug and play show. Twitter at plug underscore and underscore play underscore. Instagram at play underscore and underscore. Wait. Plug underscore yeah, and underscore play underscore. Don't forget the plug. Yeah, don't forget the plug, guys. You got a plug bill to play. Uh, that sounds dirty. Anyways, but. also at thebuttonsmashers.com where you can check out Tim and myself. The Game You Got Us podcast, the Bun Smashers podcast, and uh, a few other people over there. Jorge's doing some stuff up on the YouTube channel. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Head over to iTunes and Stitcher. Tune in. Like it. Rate us. Hate Final Fantasy. Don't die in space alone without doing that. Don't die in space alone. So, guys, until next time, don't forget to prime and shine. <laughs>